Welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Fred Lowry, illuminating God's Word for today's world. The choice, the Word of God, or the world. The choice, Christ, or culture for us. We can choose Christ. We sponsored a, a church with JP, who's our head custodian at our here, and uh, they are celebrating their tenth anniversary today, and that's exciting. And our church has done a lot, several different projects to help them during this year, and uh, they were doing some remodeling and some uh, work uh, in the parking lot. So we're going to be over there to celebrate, and they want me to preach. Uh, this this afternoon, but we re, we just uh, are so proud uh, of that church and of JP and his uh, and his family. If uh, if you could start life over, uh, would you do it any differently? If you had a do over, if you could just you know do it over, would you do it any differently? Listen to what one lady said. If I had my life to live over, I'd dare to make more mistakes next time. I'd relax. I would limber up. I would be sillier than I've been on this trip. I would take fewer things seriously. I would take more chances. I would climb more mountains, swim more rivers. I would eat more ice cream and less beans. Broccoli and stuff. I'd eat more chocolate. I would perhaps have more actual troubles, but I'd have fewer imaginary ones. You see, I'm one of those people who live sensibly and sanely hour after hour, day after day. Oh, I've had my moments, and if I had to do over again, I'd have more of them. In fact, I'd try to have nothing else, just moments, one after the other. What about you, if you had your life to live over? When you get up in the morning, do you say, good morning, Lord, or do you say, good Lord, morning? Do you get up and watch the sunrise, or do you think, you know, if God had wanted me to see the sunrise, he would have scheduled it later in the day? How do you get up in the morning? I asked one lady if she woke up grumpy. She said, no, I'll let him sleep. <laughs> Does your husband have an overactive, grumpy gene? Or would that be you? How do you wake up in the morning? Do you wake up mad or glad? Happy or sad? Charlie Brown said, I've learned to dread one day at a time. Is that you? A woman quitting her job was asked why she's quitting. She said, well, I don't like this job because it's so daily. Some of you may need to reverse how do you get out of bed in the morning. How, do you, get out of, how do, do you get out of bed in the morning? You know, uh, uh, and this, this may amaze you, but the first four minutes of your day determine your attitude for the entire day. Isn't that amazing? The first four minutes of your day Determine the attitude of your entire day. I'm just curious. How did you do this morning? 
from your looks, some of you had a rough start. (laughs) And you're going to be like that all day, unfortunately. So it's how you get up in the morning. Think about it. If you growl all day long, it's no wonder you're dog tired at night. A man was in the elevator on a Monday morning, and he was humming and singing. And somebody said, what, what in the world's wrong with you? How, how, how are you so happy? And he said, I ain't never lived this day before, and I'm excited about it. Now, that's an attitude that will help him. You know, our girls were growing up. Uh, we had some, you know, attitude adjustment times. Uh, especially when they became teenagers. You know, that's a difficult time. You just hold on and pray through that or, or bear them at 13 and dig them up at 21. I don't know what you do with that, that whole teenage deal. Because, I mean, here's this precious, and all I know about is girls, but this precious girl that just, you know, she just is so smiling and happy and she hits those teenage years. And when you say something to her, she looks at you like, how can you be so old and yet so dumb? And in the morning sometimes, you know, because of what they're going to wear to school and all that stuff and the time and trying to get them up and get them going, we had to just sometimes say, now we got to have an attitude adjustment. So finally we said to our girls, we're going to have an attitude adjustment every morning for a while. And when it's time to get up, I want you to say this. Good morning, Lord. This is a wonderful day, and I feel great. Thank you, Lord. And we just had them say that every day. Because remember what happens in the first four minutes? Determines your attitude the entire day. This is the day the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Think happy. Talk happy. Be happy. Philippians 4 4 says, Always be full of joy in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice, except early in the morning. Is that in your Bible? I think Paul was talking about every morning, even Monday mornings. See, when we get to heaven, there will be no more Monday mornings. The week start on Tuesday. I can't prove that, but it's a thought. But this includes Monday morning and all mornings. Listen, he only is rich who owns the day. Ella Wilcox said, I'm going to be happy today, though the skies are clouds of gray. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to be happy today. There's a guy named William Ausler who was a a pioneer in scientific advancement. And he would often give a lecture that uh, was called the way of life. And in that lecture, he would say to people, before you try anything else, the first thing that you need to learn in life is this. Live one day at a time. Now, here's a brilliant scientist saying before you learn anything else, you need to first learn this one thing. Live one day at a time. 
And he went on to say in that lecture, shut out yesterdays and tomorrows and just live one day alone. Choose to have this day and do everything you can do and that you want to do this one day. See, most people live in the two worst days of the week, yesterday and tomorrow. Worried about what has happened or what might happen. But there's no happiness in that. You know, when you think about it, each problem has a past and a future. If you only think and focus on the present, you have eliminated two-thirds of your problem. Did you follow that? Because I know some of you had trouble getting up this morning. Each problem has a past and a future. If you focus on the past or the future, it's not going to go well. But if you will focus on the present, you have eliminated two-thirds of your problem just in your focus. Think of the past, trust God's forgiveness. Think of the future, trust God's promises. See, the only thing we can do with the past is give it to God. The only thing we can do with the future is give it to God. Happiness is found in the present moment or it's not found at all. The future is purchased by the present. Did you catch that? The future, your future, is purchased by the present. In other words, if you can't be happy today, you're not going to be happy tomorrow. Don't put off being happy till tomorrow because if you can't get it together, if you can't be happy today, regardless of what's happening, then you're not going to be happy tomorrow because the present purchases tomorrow. Somebody wrote something that I really, really love. And listen, listen to it. Helen Malicote wrote it. I was regretting the past and fearing the future. Suddenly my Lord was speaking to me. He said, my name is I am. He paused. I waited. He continued. When you live in the past with its mistakes and regrets, it's hard. I am not there. My name is not I was. When you live in the future with its problems and its fears, it's hard. I'm not there. My name is not I will be. When you live in the moment, it's hard. But I am here. My name is I am. Somebody said it this way. No one ever sank with the burdens of just today. In other words, you can make it today. 
And this is not coming out of psychology. This is what the Bible teaches. The principle of taking one day at a time is taught throughout the entire Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Think about it. God created the world and everything in it in one day increments. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said, zap. But God is the God of order, and the principle is one day at a time. And so God created the world and everything in it one day at a time. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day and the darkness night. And the Bible says, and that was the first day. On the second day, he separated the water from the water and made the sky. He did it in one-day increments. He went on to, to create land and vegetation. And then, after six days of creating everything that was created, the seventh day, he rested. God, who used one solar day, one 24-hour day to create the world. And God wants you and me to live one day at a time. In like manner, God provides and sustains one day at a time. See, God has promised to provide for you, but for today, to meet your needs, but for today, One day at a time. Lamentations 3 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we're not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Every morning, God gives you what you need. Great is his faithfulness. Remember Moses in the Old Testament? Before his... Death, he promised Israel what? Daily grace. What did he say? Your strength will equal your days. Moses says, I'm going to be gone. I'm dying. But you don't need me. You've got God. And God is going to meet your needs. But he's going to meet your needs one day at a time. As your days are, so will your strength be. God is a daily God. And that's so wonderful that we don't have to worry about the future. God's already there and taking care of it. He's in control of that. We don't have to worry about the past. We give that to God. We have this day, and every morning God gives you what you need. He meets your daily needs. Remember when Elijah was depressed? I mean, he was really depressed. And he sat by the brook, and God sent angels to minister to him. And God commanded the ravens to bring him meat and bread. How often? One day at a time. God sent Elijah to the widow, remember, to get food. And he asked her for water and a piece of bread. Remember what the widow said to him? Well, I don't have any bread. 
The only thing I have is a handful of flour and a jar and a little oil in a jug. And I'm gathering a few sticks to make a fire. And I'm going to prepare a meal, some bread for my son and me. And then we're going to die. In other words, we have so little that this is the last meal. Just a little bread. And then... We die because there's no more. What did Elijah do? Elijah said to the widow, go ahead and make some bread for me first. Isn't that amazing how God wants you to walk by faith? Trust him. This is God's man, Elijah. Go ahead and make bread for me and then make something for yourself and your son. Because this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. What is he saying? Every time you go to the sack, there's going to be something there. Every time you go to the jug, going to be oil there. How much? Enough for one meal. God will provide one meal at a time, one day at a time. But God will provide it every day until the rain comes. Jesus, in the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough pressure of its own. We live one day at a time. And then he taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. He didn't say give us this week or this month or this year, but this day. So throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there is this principle that we are to live one day at a time, doing our best, and then trust in God with the rest. And let me quickly just suggest five simple things that you can do to, as you live one day at a time. Number one, Start every day on a positive note and a clean slate. You know, at night, one of the best things you can do is empty your mind. Helps you sleep. You're to push the delete key. Send it to the trash basket. All of the things that that collected in your life that day, the mental trash, the garbage, the things that you've worried about, but you have no control over. Get it all out of your mind and clean, empty, empty all of that so that you can relax and rest. And if you've committed sins, confess those sins so that you have a cleansed heart. Oh, if you have genuine concerns, see, most things we worry about are not genuine concerns. If you have genuine concerns, give them to God. Don't stay up all night worrying because God is going to be up anyway. No need both of you staying up. So God wants his children to get their proper rest, and you do that by emptying your mind, by cleansing your heart, so that if, if you want to live one day at a time, you end each day with a clean slate and a good night's rest. 
Listen to what somebody wrote. Dear God, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, moody, nasty, selfish, or narcissistic. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help. Can you identify with that? Well, at night, you empty. You empty the trash. You cleanse your heart. You trust God with the future. And you get a good night's rest. And in the morning, you talk to God and you praise him before you talk to anybody else. Fill your mind with scripture, with songs, praise, with positive sayings. Sing in the shower. It's your bath right. There's something wonderful and freeing and powerful about beginning the day with a song on your lips and a prayer in your heart. Remember, the first four minutes will determine your attitude the entire day. How different your day will be if you began the day with a song on your lips and prayer and praise in your heart. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. There's no gospel song, Cecil, you probably remember it, that uh, I woke up this morning feeling fine. I woke up with heaven on my mind. I woke up with joy in my soul because I knew my God had control. I'll break out and sing, but... You just want me to do more. <laughs> Let's move to number two. Celebrate today. This is the day God's given you. Celebrate it. My friend Zig Ziglar, who's pray for him, he's not doing well at all. If Zig says, if you don't believe this is a good day, try missing one. Tim Hansel, because of a terrible accident, lived with daily pain and has written, he's one of my favorite authors, he's written uh, two or three great books that I dearly love. But he said, until further notice, celebrate everything. And it was in one of Tim Hansel's books that I read that if you're 35, you have approximately 500 days left to do what you want to do. Now, when I read that several years ago, it shook me up, and it took me two or three weeks to get over it. And now, thinking about that, I don't have much time left at all to do what I want to do. In fact, I may leave this service and get started. Think about it. I mean, all the things you have to do, the, the eating and the sleeping and the working and the keeping up the yard and all the things that you have to do. When you do all that you have to do, just like my day-to-day, I, I, I got up at four this morning, quarter to four, I preached this service, I preached the next service, I preach at three, I'm, I, 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 I go to another thing at one, I preach at three, and then tonight I'm supposed to be at, a, uh, at Cedar Grove Church. 
So you do all the things that you have to do, and then all of a sudden, at 35, you've only got 500 days left to do what you want to do. I think I'll stay in my pajamas next week. (laughs) Unless I want to get dressed and go somewhere and do something. I am going to do something next week. Uh, Is next week Thanksgiving? It all runs together to me. Is that when it is? I'm going to the Dallas football game and see that new stadium. So... uh, my brother has tickets and has invited Lee and me. If, I don't know if Lee's going to be able to make it or not, so you can line up if you want a chance at going with me. <laughs> but that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And of course, being with family, we're going to spend Thanksgiving with Charles and his family and outside of Dallas and uh, uh, most of our family. I think uh, the Fashions are going the other direction to be with uh, the outlaws, the other side of that family. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. They're wonderful people, and we love them also. Celebrate today. Number three, live like you're dying. Live like you're dying. You know, the going home of my friend Jerry Abels has, has really driven this home to me. Jerry was in a unique situation knowing that he probably would not survive this cancer. And so that being the case, he knew that he would probably die, but he didn't know when. But everything was different to him all of a sudden. And little things mattered so much, and big things didn't matter nearly so much. He also gave me several lectures about how busy my life is and how I'm going to have to learn to say no more and take some time to enjoy the moments because that's what life really is. It's the moments. Live like you're dying. Doctor said to his patient, I got some bad news for you and some very bad news. The bad news is you've got 24 hours to live. The very bad news is I was supposed to have called you yesterday. <laughs> what if you knew, what if you got that bad news that you had only 24 hours to live? Would your to-do list be the same? Would things stay the same in your life? Would it be a normal day? Or would things that hadn't mattered begin to suddenly matter? Well, the truth is, it's true for all of us. We're one heartbeat away from eternity. We're all dying. For the moment you're born, you begin to die. And nobody knows when. Shona this week was, what, 53? Jerry was 62. We don't know how long we're going to live. So we're to live like we're dying. Psychologist Abraham Maslow said, 
he had a, a near fatal heart attack and he could have easily died but miraculously he came out of that and recovered completely but he was totally changed by the process and he wrote a lot about it and he said Look, looking death in the face freed him up to see life in a whole different way he called it his post-mortem life and he says, when you've stared death in the face and you've survived, in your post-mortem life, everything becomes doubly precious. Like the simple things of breathing, of eating, of having friends, of walking. As I watched Jerry have to give up so many things that he was unable to do physically. You realize how important those things are. Number four, savor the moment. That word savor, if you're not familiar with it, it's to enjoy, to delight in, master the moment. The present moment is the best one because guess what? It's the only one you have. The most important time frame are the minutes that make up each day. Life is a collection of minutes, and it's what we do with each minute that determines the quality of our lives, the level of our happiness, the joy and the fulfillment of our lives. We get 1,440 minutes every 24 hours, and there are no balances carried over. What kind of life you have depends on how you spend the minutes. And when the day is over, if you don't have any, if, if you haven't had any fun minutes, any happy minutes, any meaningful minutes, then that day is wasted no matter how busy you have been. Are you hearing me? You had trouble getting up, didn't you? If you're hearing me, just shake your head this way. Thank you. All right, that's better. Bernard Berenson, an art critic, said when he was nearly 90 that he would willingly stand on the street corner hat in hand begging anyone for any unused minutes. We own nothing but this moment. Right now is all you have. What are you doing with it? If right now is all you have, then live enthusiastically. Not this afternoon, not tonight, but now. Not tomorrow, but now. Make a difference now. Spend time with your family now. Spend time with your friends now. Love loud now. Give now. Serve God now. This is the only time that you have. What are you doing with your minutes? Life is no more than one minute at a time. 
an old grandfather clock got to thinking about how many ticks it had to tick. It was depressing. He got to thinking, I tick two ticks a second. That's 120 ticks a minute. That's 7,200 ticks an hour. That's 172,800 ticks a day. That's 62 million ticks a year. I don't think I can tick that many ticks. So he went to the clock psychiatrist. And he said, Dr. Clock, I got, I got all these ticks to tick, and, and I think I'm almost ticked out. I can't tick all these ticks. He said, what, what do you mean? He said, well, I, I, I tick two ticks a second, 120 ticks a minute, and 7,200 ticks an hour, and 172,800 ticks a day, and 62 million ticks a year. I, I can't tick all these ticks. And Dr. Clock rubbed his moon dial face and said, let me ask you a question. How many ticks do you tick at a time? Well, he said, just one tick. He said, all right, tick one tick at a time and don't tick the next tick till you tick this tick. And the story is, years later, the clock was still ticking away, one tick at a time. And that's how God designed us to live. One day, one moment, one tick at a time. Number five, because this has to, you got to do this to make it all possible, slow down. Slow down. Two men were speeding down the freeway when one of them said, hey, aren't we going in the wrong direction? The other guy said, yeah, we're making such a good time. I hate to turn around. <laughs> Life in the fast lane is taking its toll on society. We're not as good of friends as we used to be because we don't have time. Not as good of neighbors. We don't have time. Not as good church members. You know, when I was growing up, church members, every time the doors were open, they were there. Now we kind of work it in. And we got all these gadgets. We have cell phones now so we can talk on the run. And we, we've got microwave ovens and fast food restaurants so we can eat on the run. We've got wireless computers so we can work on the run. See, I don't know about you, but all of these gadgets just, just take more and more time. When I was talking to Johnny Hunt a couple of days ago, he said, you need to tweet. So I said, well, I don't even know how to do that. He said, well, just go on tweeter.com and tweet me. So I did. And then, 30 minutes later, I have 34 people following me that I don't even know who they are <laughs> or what to do with them. 
Somebody said it this way. Slow me down, Lord. Ease the pounding of my heart by the quieting of my mind. Teach me the art of taking minute vacations, of slowing down to look at a flower, to chat with a friend, to pat a dog, to read a line from a favorite book. Slow me down, Lord. We have only the present moment sparkling like a star in our hands and melting like a snowflake. The good news, it's never too late to enjoy the moment. We hope you were blessed by our program today. If you would like a copy of today's program, go to www.fredlowry.com where you can find this program and other Christian resources by Dr. Fred Lowry.